1: presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.
3: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family.
4: a lot of emails about cold cases all the time, and um, I always Google it and kind of look and see if it would be something that, you know, maybe we could help with, and um, and this one, first I was kind of struck by the fact it's another girl, it's another situation where there are a lot of suspects, potential suspects, um, usually when I look, you know, doing a lot of true crime stuff, and usually when I look at a story, I can tell in the first five minutes what probably happened. But this one which is really strange. As I drive the long and winding roads into the Ozarks, I think about a conversation I had in a high school physics class. The teacher was talking about time travel. Where would we go? He asked, if we could be instantly transported to any point in history. Some people said they would pop back to see a dinosaur or visit Jesus, but the response that stopped everyone cold was from the quiet kid in the back. I would go back to the day my mom was murdered, he said, so I could be there and stop it. And if I couldn't stop it, at least I could see who did it. Investigating a cold case murder is the closest thing I will ever get to time travel. A lot has happened since last season. After spending months in the Ozarks, I went back to New York City for my job, and I tried to get on with my life. But wherever I am, interviewing an FBI profiler, riding the subway, drinking beers with a date, a big part of my brain is stuck replaying September 20th, 2004, the day Rebecca Gould was murdered. Six months after our last season wrapped, I'm back in Arkansas. Like I said back then, when we started Rebecca's case, we thought we knew who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. But now, I'm not so sure. We have given all kinds of information to the police, piles of documents and letters, uncut audio clips, as our intention has always been to help the investigation. And yet, in many ways, the investigation feels just as still as it was before. For now, it's a waiting game. But patience has never been my strong suit. Since the end of season one, I've received hundreds of messages about other unsolved cases in Arkansas. People reach out at all hours of the night on social media. I had no idea there were so many unsolved murders and so many people who needed help. Then one night, I get a Facebook message that says I should look into the mysterious death of Olivia Janie Ward. It started on September 9th, 1989. Sixteen-year-old Janie headed out to a cabin in the woods outside the tiny town of Marshall, Arkansas. It was just another weekend, another high school party. But a few hours later, Janie was dead. The story goes that she died from falling off a porch, a porch that was no more than 10 inches tall. As Janie lay there, dead or dying, her friends made the decision to load her into the back of a pickup truck and drive her to the middle of town. They ended up at the bank parking lot. One of the paramedics who examined Janie noticed that she was wet and covered in debris. The paramedic immediately concluded that she believed this was a suspicious death. In the 30 years since she died, her body has been exhumed twice. There have been three different autopsies conducted by three separate people and several investigations, both by police and by private detectives. But no one has been able to explain the inconsistencies, and no one can answer the question, what or who killed Janie Ward? Was it an accident? Or could it have been murder? On a recent trip back to Arkansas to visit my dad, I saw a huge black pickup truck drive by. On the back, I saw a faded bumper sticker. It read, Justice for Janie. It hit a nerve with me because I've been waiting for justice for Rebecca. I'm going to see if I can figure out what happened to Janie. So once again, we have to go back in time. But this time... We're going back to September 9th, 1989, the night Janie died. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Helen Gone. <laughs> So we're right off the main highway in Marshall. Um, Marshall is a small town with a population of about 1,300, half the size of Mountain View where we spent last season. We're next to Pappy's Flea Market, which has knives and tools and lots of knick-knacks. The main drag, two-lane Highway 65, is lined with flea markets, a few churches, and Sonic. At one intersection is the business district, There's the Daisy Queen, an old-school burger joint that's been serving up fried Twinkie sundays to locals since 1966. Just past Harp's Grocery Store, a road veers off toward the woods. This is the route that Janie took toward the party on Zack Road on the last night of her life. I'm riding with Gabby, one of our producers. Head north on Spring Street. Then turn left onto East Main Street. We don't have time to see the sights
1: for thirty-nine miles. Yeah, continue straight. straight. That's easy, right? Yeah, Harrison.
4: We're headed north to meet with our first contact, Mike Masterson.
1: I guess could you talk about
4: him and like how you met him? Yeah, Mike is a real old-school investigative journalist, and how I met him was. After getting tipped off about this case, the Janie Ward case, I started looking into journalists who might have written about it locally. And Mike has written over 200 articles for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette um, opinion pieces uh, on the Janie Ward case. And he's been a really strong advocate for getting justice for her. Like I said last season, in this neck of the woods, you're either from here or you're from off. And since I'm in the latter category, it helps to find someone local who understands the case. We meet him and his wife at his home you? office in oh, Harrison. Nice. That's my chihuahua, Winston. Since I don't know when I'll be going home, I brought him with me. Mike is friendly and smart, and he has a great sense of humor. Framed copies of his many exposés from the Chicago Sun-Times and other newspapers cover the walls of his home office.
3: Yeah, this, on these walls, this, the accumulation looks kind of like a museum, doesn't it? of a 46-year, 7-year career in journalism.
4: There's a cowboy hat on the back of his chair and a display bottle of Crown Royal on his shelf. He's eager to talk about Janie. The Janie Ward case
3: is, I think, by far, of the complex cases that I've been involved in, matters that I consider to be injustice. That remains today.
4: Mike didn't start writing about Janie until 2004, 15 years after she died. He got interested in the case after her family was trying to get her body exhumed for another autopsy. Mike had investigated numerous murder cases in Arkansas, so a colleague of his thought he could help with Janie's.
3: A reporter from this newspaper in Harrison called me one day and he said, Mike, there's a case you need to look at. It involves the death of a young girl um, in high school. So I got in touch with Ron.
4: Ron is Janie's dad.
3: And Ron... (laughs) being the dedicated father he was to his daughter, his late daughter, um, had been collecting every scrap of information he could get. The more I looked at it, the more I realized this thing stinks to high heaven. You know, she didn't fall off a nine-inch tall porch, which I described in one column as the length of my shoe, and tear her spinal column in half. Uh, None of it made any sense.
4: To this day... Mike is not convinced that Janie simply fell off a porch and died. And I want to trust him because he's seen the underbelly of this state. And for him, a cover-up is never out of the question. We'll be right back. Hey y'all, it's Catherine. Springtime is all about fresh air, fresh starts, and freshly cleaned homes. And it's the perfect time to give a fresh look at Simply Safe Home Security. It's the home security system that I use and recommend. I personally love Safe because it is so customizable. You can get all the bells and whistles. You can have a professional come and install it. You can get things like smart door locks. But it also has other sensors that can detect things like temperature changes, fires, and floods. Or if you want to keep it really simple and you don't need all that, for a very affordable price, you can have a great basic security system in your home that you can DIY and even a non-tech savvy person like me can install themselves. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash Gone. That's simplysafe.com slash
5: There's no safe like Simply Safe. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail
2: Maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.
0: The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. To start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
4: In his 200 columns about Janie, Mike kept asking his readers, what if Janie Ward was your daughter?
3: After I'd been writing about this for probably a year. They had a rally at the Capitol, Justice for Janey rally. So I went down there and probably 200 people from around Arkansas showed up at that big rally. It was obvious to me that this case had really touched a nerve. I think a lot of people in this state and other states, but in this state have had injustices happen to them. And so in many ways, I think they could relate to what the wards were going through trying to get answers, can't get answers. Uh, When I get answers, nobody does anything. And I told Ron when we first started this, I said, you know, Ron, I can can write a million words about what happened to Janie, but you need to understand that at some point the system has to work. If the system doesn't work, it doesn't matter how many words I write or how many people in Arkansas know how bad this was and can see a lot of the truth of this case, it won't matter. Because nobody will take action that has the authority to take action.
4: While he was writing about Janie, Mike Masterson became close with the Ward family, and he's agreed to set up a meeting with Janie's mom, Mona. Janie's dad, Ron, passed away last year.
3: Steve, did you, you never met Ron? But
4: what was he like as a person?
3: Straightforward, six foot five, three hundred and thirty pounds. Big, big man. Had hands twice the size of mine. Very driven. Ron was an extremely driven person to find out what happened to his daughter.
4: The next day, we head to the townhouse cafe in Harrison. Mike is already there. He directs us to a table at the back of the restaurant near the kitchen that's gearing up for a very busy lunch hour. Mona arrives along with her daughter and Janie's younger sister, Crystal. They hug Mike. Their familiarity is almost like that of soldiers. They've clearly been through a lot together. Mona is emotional, but she's also tough. It's obvious that no matter how hard this is for her,
6: she wants to get her daughter's
4: story out. I can recall
6: it, but I blocked out a lot on purpose to keep from dwelling on it because it's painful.
4: Mona immediately dives into what happened on September 9th, 1989.
6: All right, uh, the night it happened, a distant cousin, he came and said that Janie had, had had an accident and she was in the hospital in Harrison. And so we just jumped in the car with him, and when we got to the six, to 65, instead of taking a left to go to Harrison to the hospital, he took a right. And Ronnie said, Well, where are you going? What are you doing? And he said, We gotta go by the sheriff's office. And we knew then something was up and it wasn't right. And when we got there there was probably over a hundred people, parents and children, and we just had to elbow our way in. And and when we got in it was lined with people, you know, small sheriff department. And then and I was asking people Well, what's wrong? What's wrong? And when we got in the sheriff's office, you you know, he said, Jenny was dead. No explanation. After the sheriff told them the
4: news, Mona said he abruptly walked out of the room and didn't answer any of their
6: questions. And I just lost it. And Ronnie did too. And then they said, you have to go, we have to take you to the morgue. And I couldn't do it. I did not want that to be my last memory of Janie. I couldn't do it. Still in shock from the news, Ron went with the police to
4: identify Janie's body.
3: I was going to say that I remember Ronnie, we had a long talk about this too, um, several times, but he mentioned when he saw Janie in the mortuary that she was wet, had the sand, and that when he touched her, her neck, just he could tell her neck
4: was broken. Ron described to Mona what he saw. Janie was lying on a table, and he immediately noticed her neck. It looked broken. He saw bruising on her face and down her neck. He ran his hands through her hair and felt what he believes to be sand.
6: And uh, he saw the condition she was in, and he told me. And later, I wished I had it so I could, you know, confirm everything he saw. But although I knew he saw what he saw. And they, they said to him, they said, do you want to use this funeral home, our funeral home, or the other funeral home? And he said, I want an autopsy.
4: Ron was suspicious that the coroner didn't immediately suggest an autopsy. But once he insisted, the police took Janie's body to the state crime lab in Little Rock.
6: And when she got there, she was dressed in altogether different clothes than what he saw her in and what she left the house in. So naturally, you know, he knew then. And, and I saw the pictures of what she was in. She was in a T-shirt that she, she wouldn't have ever worn. It was a uh, T-shirt with a gaping mouth skeleton on it. And she had never even worn anything like that. She wasn't even into that sort of thing or, or heavy metal music. It just wasn't her at all.
4: When Ron saw Janie's body, he said she had been wearing a blue and white pinstripe shirt. But by the time Janie was delivered to the state crime lab for the autopsy, a photograph taken of her showed her wearing a black T-shirt with the band Def Leppard on the front. When he saw her, at, when Ron saw her at the morgue, was she wearing the pinstripe shirt or the T-shirt?
6: Ronnie said she had on a pinstripe shirt. It, it, so he buttoned her top shirt, a uh, button, because it was bloused, and he buttoned it. That's how we know. It must have been changed at the morgue. And also, she didn't she didn't do drugs uh, she didn't smoke pot, and there was two rolled marijuana joints in her pocket. None in her system. So they depicted her. You know, it's like depicting her as a wild child or something. And I'm not being naive. I knew my daughter very well, and I knew her friends. And she was totally out of her element, her league of friends. None of her friends were there that she ran with. Uh, I mean, she went to school with the kid. These kids were there that were there, but they were the the wobblins, you know? And uh, that wasn't her, they weren't,
4: weren't her type. Mona has already raised a lot of questions for me. First, what happened to Janie's shirt? Ron insisted that she was wearing a different shirt at the crime lab than what he saw her in at the Morgan Marshall. He also saw injuries on her face and neck. So why didn't the coroner suggest an autopsy immediately? As an investigator, I know that every suspicious death should be treated as a homicide until it can be proven otherwise. And why was Janie at the party in the first place? According to her family, it seemed out of character. When you said that she wasn't part of the crowd at the party that night, um, can you just tell us a little bit about
6: what she was like, what her life was like at that time? She she had her crowd. You know, everybody does. They have their little groups. Mm -hmm. And hers was uh, more like the goody Two Shoe girls, you know, warms more, more so, you know. Not in the ones she, those girls, these people at this part were the the snobs, the preppies, you I can know. Sum
1: that up. Have you ever seen *Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion*? This is
6: Crystal, Janie's sister.
1: Well, my sister was like the B group, and the other girls were the A group. And that's kind of like how they treated her. And She had a job, right? Yes. She was,
6: yeah, she worked, and uh, she was smart, uh, <clears throat> made good grades.
1: Everybody that knew her, loved unless her. they were in the A group, loved her. She really was. Jenny was a wonderful person, and um, I mean, she hold. just did. She just uh, was for the underdog. She always uh, worked, and uh, she would spend her money on other people. She would. She really would. Uh, if there was somebody poorer than we were, she'd go out of her way to make sure that they had something. Yeah,
6: Crystal told Janie the story about a little girl in her grade who said all she wanted for Christmas.
1: Or something. She just wanted a Barbie doll. Oh, she didn't
6: have never had a Barbie doll. And Crystal told Janie, and Janie said, "Well, Crystal." you got a new barbie doll and you got barbie dolls plenty of barbie dolls and uh she said you could give her your new barbie doll and chris was like hmm.
1: i shouldn't <laughs> open my mouth <laughs>
6: and uh and jenny's relented you know i said okay so Janie bought balloons you know for the little girl because it was valentine's day so she bought her balloons and and crystal contributed the new barbie doll and had it put in the bag, and then Crystal had it sent by the flower shop to the little girl in her classroom.
4: Sophisticated
1: for a
6: a kid to do that, actually.
1: That's the way she was. She just always did things like that.
4: After Janie's death, Ron started obsessively collecting articles about the case interviewing witnesses, and demanding every single piece of paperwork from police and from the Arkansas State Crime Lab.
6: He was the one that had pursued it all this time.
1: Well, he made me promise I'd carry it on, but, you know, I can't do that because... I can't do it, do it, like he did, because I can't, I can't handle that. But I guess by doing it like this, I am keeping my promise to him that I would. What did
3: he have? Was it a heart or cancer
6: or what? It was... uh,
1: COPD,
6: COPD, yeah, COPD? yeah. He was a chain smoker. Oh, yeah. Ever since Janie died, and oh. and yeah. he he would have been 69 in September. too. And
1: I mean, we all we all three smoked cigarettes, but Dad really he did eat them. I mean, like one after the other, because that's all he pretty much did. Laid in bed, smoke. The
6: last se- uh, got on the
1: computer, and read stuff.
6: And, the last you know, several months. That's all he did. <clears throat> yeah, he was a chain smoker. Last several months. Ron
4: wrote a letter to Janie. Promising her that he would get justice, he put it in her coffin before she was buried.
6: I've never
3: asked you that. I didn't get a chance to ask Ron. What did Ron say in that note?
6: What did he tell her? You know the promise that he would he would avenge her, or you know the original letter. I think it was the original letter where he made the promise that he would uh, have there would be justice for her or that he would pursue justice as long as he lived. After two hours of talking, everyone
4: is exhausted. Mona mentions that she's brought everything Ron collected over the years, and she's agreed to let us look through it. We pay the bill and head outside. The main box is a blue plastic bin. It's huge.
1: And there's a second one, a
4: little smaller, if it's brown. They're both a no, he said, don't lot say, don't heavier don't than you they look. How do we put the seats down? We don't, we, we don't know if we can even fit them into our car. I'm going to go to mountain View and go it's through It's going to everything. take you
3: more than a day to go through. Baby.
4: Oh, yeah, no, we'll... we'll so, mm-hmm. you know, it's fantastic All right, we'll get it to you in the next few days. It's fine. Whatever you can get it done, then... And I'll have it, okay? Yeah. And we're going to guard it with our lives. Okay. Like, it's okay. going to be, he'll be well-looked yeah. after. All
1: right. Thank you. I mean, I feel good about it. I'm just I, saying. No, I understand. It's a yeah. huge, I... It's, a just, hey, uh, it's just a really huge thing star. because it means yeah. so much to our family and uh, just a promise I made to my dad. Mm-hmm. as to, you know, carry, you're carrying the torch. That's right.
3: That's right. The torch hadn't died.
1: Right.
4: No. But, we, we take you know, it extremely seriously. Ron.
3: Ron's responsible for her being here, too. It is. Yep. Otherwise, I mean, why? This case, years later, how long has it been since we were. I was doing this? It's been 15 years. Long time. Long time. <laughs> you bad.
4: say goodbye to the family, giving them long our word later. that we won't let anything happen to the boxes. Bye. Gabby and I get in the car and watch Mona and Crystal drive off. Okay. Then, all of a sudden, Bye-bye. the emotion of the case hits us. <laughs> yeah, I just Chocolate. don't cry. I'm not going to cry in front of them because they. Yeah. You know? I I don't do that because, like, they shouldn't be comforting me, you know? Yeah. She just seemed, like, I was kind of trying to read her. She just seemed like, I'm here, you know? So I was like, okay, let's let's just roll then. Yeah. So she doesn't have to repeat herself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they would have handed that box to anybody else. I'll tell you that right now. Like, unless Mike got involved, you know, unless we were all. And I just feel like, yeah, for them, they have to balance, they have children and families and lives, so you can't spend the rest of your life living it for your, you know, can't spend the. Rest. At some point, you do have to detach emotionally and go on with your life. But so it's really good when someone comes in and does that stuff for you. Cause it's also, you, I can't imagine being like the, the bravery the dad had to, to have to do that investigation himself, to hear all that stuff over and over, and you know, try to be objective. After a long day, we make our way back to my dad's house in Mountain View. We take the elevator and put the boxes in my dad's game room on the top floor of his house. Actually, I call it my war room because it's where I started investigating Rebecca's case all those years ago. Which okay. should we open first? Maybe this big one. Yeah, I'm just curious. How heavy was it? Probably like 100 pounds. Yeah, easy. Because I carried, the when I did, um, for Rebecca's case, I, I was seeing a hard it be to carry a 100-pound dummy. And I don't think it was that heavy. Maybe it's just, that seems bulkier, but. I open the blue box. Wow. And immediately I'm hit by the overwhelming smell of stale cigarettes. I close my eyes and I can almost see Ron chain smoking late at night, obsessing, making notes, circling, highlighting, trying anything to get answers. The first thing I see is a manila folder labeled Mm -hmm. to do. To do file, he left this, wow. This is information on, looks like press clippings, some emails with Mike, this looks like an autopsy. There are more folders and binders full of documents like transcribed interviews with witnesses, police notes, letters from Arkansas citizens interested in the case, and old newspaper clippings about Janie. The box is also packed with photos of Janie, and at the bottom there's an aluminum tin with an imprint that says dad on the top. Inside is a pocket knife. Jeez. It's likely one of Janie's last gifts to her dad. So there's cassette tapes. Gary Don Snow 72407 part 2. Wow, these are all interviews it looks like. What are they on HG? How are we going to watch that? These boxes are like a time capsule. There are multiple types of media, DVDs, CDs, VHSs, and cassettes. We also find dozens of micro-cassettes. Fortunately, Ron's left behind his recorder. It's beaten up and dented, but when I press play on another cassette, it works. And the war room is filled with Ron's deep, booming voice.
7: Okay, now then, when I went and saw my daughter up there in the... uh, uh, morgue up here she had on a uh, white pinstripe shirt she lying there with her head turned like this out on the fluorescent light on a, on this table and there was a light blue jacket laying beside her and uh, I pulled the shirt down and buttoned the bottom button up and it felt damp to my touch and I thought what? what's this? Uh-huh. I said what's this? what's this? so? You know, I took, felt over her hands, arms, and she was beginning to get kind of stiff. And I had to touch her head, you know, tears in my eyes and all. And when I, I had to feel her neck, and her head kind of rolled just a little bit like that. And I saw this, this figuration. Her ear was purple, up to here was purple. It was purple all the way down to here, down to right here, okay? Massive purple, okay? I run my fingers through her, hair, like this, and this stuff kept coming out. It was like sand
2: and flakes.
7: This was a fine sand, also, you know. It was it fine. It well, I felt the pores. Uh huh. was her hair was stiff, and it, it, you know it started getting, uh, coming off on this white table. And one of her ears was half like full of this substance, and it was on her face. And uh, I thought, wow, you know. And uh, then I, uh, I was told she fell off his porch. Well, and I wondered how in the hell did she get this huge bruise here? You know, and her ears—it's like you know this purple. They i mean, it was—it was coming out. Okay. What they done is they washed her and they cleaned her up. For when I saw her. I would not buy a story that she fell off this little porch. It's only about the eight tall. My daughter go. was beaten to death.
4: We find the Arkansas State Police's 6,000-page case file on a disc. On it are Janie's autopsy photos. Autopsy photos after a person has been dug up are extremely graphic and disturbing. I can't imagine a grieving father having to look through these. The original autopsy concluded that she died of an upper spinal cord and neck injury. I found myself asking the same question Ron did How could a healthy 16 year old girl fall off a short 9 and 3 quarter inch tall step and die? What really happened at that party? We'll be right back.
5: Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker.
2: Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: As I said at the end of season one, we're all in this together. Unlike Rebecca's, Janie's case, at least on paper, is closed. That means we have full access to Janie's case file. All 6,000 pages of it. We can take a look at the entire investigation from beginning to end to tell Janie's story. We can see all of the facts, at least we should be able to see them. That night, after we met with Mona and Crystal, I wake up at 2 a.m. Being back in Arkansas is weird, but also familiar. In many ways, it's like nothing has changed since I was a kid. Around here, things happen slowly, and big things are measured in geologic time. That's what geology is, the study of pressure and time. We don't notice the tiny changes every day as rain slides over stone. But over time, this is how mountains are formed and rivers change course. This theory applies to cold cases, too. New DNA is found. Witnesses come forward. Journalists knock on a lot of wrong doors before actually getting to the right people who can break the case. Years, sometimes decades later, killers are finally arrested. With enough pressure and time, Anything can happen, and there is no statute of limitations on murder. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Hell and Gone. Hell and Gone is a joint production between School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is written and recorded by me, Katherine Townsend. Taylor Church and Gabby Watts are our producers and story editors. Executive producers are Brandon Barr, Brian Lavin, and L.C. Crowley for School of Humans, and Connell Byrne and Chuck Bryant for iHeart. Our field producer is Miranda Hawkins. Theme and original score are by Ben Salih, available wherever you get your music. Please visit us at helengonpodcast.com or follow us on social media.
2: School of Humans. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.
0: The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring?